0: and i am truly truly privileged uh, to be here with you for another amazing episode of the african father in america podcast and i have a very very special guest who is joining me here today for uh, our episode uh, you know for the day and uh, i'm truly honored to host my brother dres aka dumi maraire who is uh, you know, an Emmy Award-winning artist, originally from Zimbabwe, and is emerging from one of the most beautiful and powerful musical families uh, in Africa. Drez, say hi to everyone before you continue with our conversation.
1: Man, what's up? I am so happy to be here. What's up, my guy, Simon? Uh, as he has said, my name is Dreze, um, also known as Dumisani Maraire Jr. Um, I am the junior in the family, but I'm excited to be here. I want to talk proverbs. I want to talk some music, man. I just love chopping it up with you, so it's great to be here today.
0: Thank you, my brother. I know that this has been a long time coming. You're a busy, busy brother. You know, besides being an artist, you're an entrepreneur. You're a father. You are a. You are a. You are a. You are a culture curator, and uh, you know we are going to dive deep into a lot of the work that you do and the impacts that you're making here in the US in the African diaspora but also back home in Zimbabwe So uh, if you're just joining us make sure you t- you know you, you leave us with your comment actually I'm about to share the proverb that is our, our guiding uh, you know light today our proverb is from Sankofa it's a Ghanaian proverb that says a clear head is a stroll. Outside away, a clear head is a stroll outside away. So, I want you to share in the comment what this proverb means to you. A clear head is just a stroll outside away. I have three nuggets of wisdom around this proverb that I'm going to share in just a second, but uh, before I do that, I want to talk to you just briefly about the Madaraka festival that is coming up on May. Uh, 16th in new york on may 21st in atlanta on may um, uh, 24th in dallas and then on may 26th in seattle washington i just shared the banner on the screen for those who are watching i know that many of you are joining us uh, on linkedin on facebook on uh, on TikTok, uh, here on YouTube, and also on Twitter. So thank you all. You know, Dres was there at the very, very beginning of the Mararaka festival. So we are going to take you back to the beginning, and then we are going to bring you to the present and talk about the future. So you know, buckle up if you've not uh, connected with Dres before. But also, you know, when we talk about this uh, Mararaka festival, it's an African festival. And today, as you know, we are grounding ourselves in African proverbs. So a lot of the work we do really is to help change the narrative about Africa. And so I want to share three nuggets of wisdom just quickly. And then I want to bring Dres to talk about this proverb from Ghana. A clear head is just a stroll outside away. Now, these are the three nuggets of wisdom related to this proverb. The first one says that, Taking a break and getting some fresh air can help clear your mind and improve your ability to think and make decisions. That's the first nugget. The second nugget is that sometimes the solution to a problem or a challenge can be found by stepping away and taking a walk to gain a fresh perspective. And then finally, regular breaks and outdoor activity can promote mental wellness and overall health you know our ancestors were very very smart they knew the challenges we are going through and uh they left us with these nuggets of wisdom with this proverb for us to use to navigate you know our day-to-day struggles my brother dres when you hear this proverb from ghana what does it bring to your mind
1: um you know what what a powerful proverb um it makes me just think about the importance of a clear head, right? It's, it's just to start with that idea of a clear head. It, what's not said is inferred. It's telling you that that's desired, right? Right in front of you is the importance that a clear head. Um, it's not something that I thought I think I would get if I was 19 years old. But as you get older, you start to go, wait a minute. A clear head is really, really an important thing. And then it's about the proximity. It's about showing you that a clear head is going to be found in the simplicity of life. Everything that you need to get a clear, a clear head, God gave you. What is that? It's just a stroll away, right? Like everything that is beautiful about life for me and important in life, the most important things, God for me wrapped up in simplicity. He didn't wrap them up in having a million dollars and having to climb Mount Kilimanjaro and you know what I'm saying it's like it's the most simplest things that are going to give you what you need for life and so I love the proverb it's beautiful um the idea that if I need a clear head it's just to stroll away and again like I said it's really important that this scripture in the Bible that we often read that talks about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding right there's this there's this peace that so many of us desire and want and you can have a level of peace that would surpass your understanding meaning you could be in the middle of chaos and still have peace right I think the, the same is true here you could have a job you could be working hard you could be it, it you could be doing so many things and still have have that clear head um, lastly I'll say this this proverb hits really hard today or in this moment or in this season, because so many of us are inundated with social media. We are on social media all the time. The last thing we have is a clear head. And the thing we all need is a clear head. And so to know that you might have to detach from technology, take a walk, um, go outside, just sit down, sip some tea, look at the ocean, um, all of those simple things of life are going to regenerate and rejuvenate your brain and your mind. And if you keep coming back to that clarity, it's gonna help you deal with the chaos.
0: I love that. This is so important, especially right now, the way you put it, you know. Uh, If you're just joining us, uh, my special guest is Drez, AKA Dumisani Maraire Jr., who is one of the headlining artists for the Mararaka Festival this year. And is Drez is probably the only artist who has been on the Madaraka stage three times, you know, <laughs> 2014, 2021, and now in 2023. And, you know, this is also just um, a demonstration of your leadership and how you've supported me personally, and this work that we're doing with Madaraka Festival. But also, it just connects with the work that you do in the community. You know, you are the man behind through the, through the eyes of art that has been going on at the Museum of Pop Culture for many years. During Black History Month this year, it was sold out again. Uh, you know, you're working on some of the most incredible musical projects. But these things did not start today. These things started a long time ago. I want you to take us back to maybe a period when you were 8 to 16, when maybe something happened that really, even today when you look back, you say that that moment... Is what really uh, got me started, and this is what really drives me even today.
1: Um. Wow. Drives me. Got me started. Um. I, I. You know what? I'm gonna pull a childhood moment from there's A song that I wrote. Um. If you all get a chance, called "Born to Win," right? Um. And I released it um, about a year ago. And this song, I was living in Zimbabwe as a child. Um. So, I was actually born in Seattle, Washington. And then my mother and father, who were both a Zimbabwean musician, my father, Dumisani Sani Sr. singer, was credited with bringing um, marimba and mbira music to America. And so, growing up in Seattle, my parents wanted my siblings and I to know our our, our culture. So, they taught us how to play marimbas and mbitas. And in my entire life, that's what i did i was always if you were in seattle and you went to a community festival it was my family showing up often we would show up for free right as a dedication to the community so we did all the festivals in the black community we performed at all the schools and things of that nature um i said all that to kind of set the stage um but when i was young my mother sent Um, me back to Zimbabwe because she wanted me to live in Zimbabwe. She wanted me to know where I was from. So she sent me to live with my grandmother, my uncles and aunts, and so I lived there. And when I returned back to Seattle, I was still very young, Um, in like the first grade when I returned to Seattle. And when I got there, I remember I had an accent that was really strong, you know. Because as a kid, you just pick up things easily. So my accent was really strong. I got to Seattle, and I remember when I went to school. Uh, times weren't like they are right now. The kids were brutal. You know, my hair was nappy; it was longer, so they were talking bad about. You know, like even now, Simon, like how kids might might see your dreadlocks and be like, "Ooh, that's dope." Well, that's not what they thought when I was a kid, right? And so um, they laughed at me in school. They talked about my hair. I remember every time the teacher would would say "roll," I would hate it because she was gonna say my name, and my name, um, it's Dumi Sunny, but people call me Dumi for short. And with Dumi, there's a lot of ways kids can mess that up. So I've been called everything from dummy to dookie to anything you could think of, and the whole class just starts laughing. Um, it was brutal. And then I remember talking to um, African-Americans and and, and the, the students that I was around because I was in the hood, right? I was on a street called Union. I was at TT minor um, at a school called Union. I mean, at, at a school called TT minor on a street called Union in Seattle. And I remember I was telling the kids, like, yo, you're from Africa, too. And they're like, yo, I'm not from Africa. I'm from Chicago or I'm from Mississippi, right? And there was this like disconnect. They didn't want to be connected with Africa. They didn't want to be associated with this place. And so that kind of set me on a course I think the rest of my life that I wanted to wake these young brothers and sisters up. There was a piece of me that didn't like that um that didn't understand it. I didn't As a young kid, I didn't quite understand all the impacts of slavery. I grew up with so so many of my friends who were from the hood and they had this hole or this gap inside themselves because they didn't know who they were. They didn't know their language. They didn't know where they were from. They had never ate their own food. They had a name like Johnson or Jackson. These are not African names. These were white slave owners who stripped these young men and women of their names, of their culture. Um, their identity and in it, it and and in time you know mess with their minds to the point where they weren't even proud of their own heritage and so that i think was an impactful story i said that because if you watch my song born to win um in the first verse i talk about that experience um and i want to share something really cool simon uh, i put out the song born to win and when i put it out I went up to TT Minor. I wanted to shoot a music video. So I had these kids to kind of reenact this scene of me trying to engage um, as a young African boy, trying to engage these young African-Americans in this conversation. And so I went up to the exact school where where this happened. And I went to shoot the scene. I got some kids. We shot a scene up at TT Minor Elementary School. Um, And in shooting the scene i went and i remember looking at the name of the school and the school name had changed it was no longer tt minor right it was now a school dedicated to the incorporation of refugees into america and i was like whoa right like this moment where i'm telling this story and now this school where i experienced Um, extreme levels of trauma as a child, was now being used to make children with a a similar experience to mine feel welcome. Um, That concept was my. It was one of the moments where you feel like God is saying, yes, son, you're on the right course.
0: I love that, I love that. Now, uh, you know, I I want you to, first of all, let's talk to our guests. Uh, We have a number of people who have joined us on TikTok. Thank you so much. Make sure you're sharing this live and make sure you're also you know double tapping the screen and uh liking the the live stream over there on tiktok that's how that algorithm works then on youtube you also have to give this video a thumbs up later on and leave your comment down there share with us what you're hearing and how you are you know you're being moved by our conversation today we have a proverb here, our pr- proverb for today. Some of you just love sharing your own interpretation of these proverbs in the comments. So, our proverb says that a clear head is just a stroll outside away. And my guest is the incredible Drez Dumi Maraire, who is touring the US uh, next month together with Saudi Sol, King Kaka, Eddie Kenzo, Anthony Cole. You know, we have a, a plethora of artists from across the motherland and also the diaspora so please talk to us you know we have this Madaraka festival coming up the tour we have uh, your incredible musical career in fact um, you're also in the movies in many ways you just won an Emmy recently a lot of your songs are also in big uh, places you know some of your music is on TV and other movies share with us You know, when you look at your career, when you look at the upcoming tour, what is your most proud, uh, proudest moment, or what project are you uh, currently working on uh, that you feel that you'd love to share with the world right now?
1: um great question simon a vast question but a great one um, i'll start by giving people some context um to what you said i did recently just win an emmy award for many who don't know i'm a, a songwriter i live in hollywood so i'm in la right now and i write music for television so i have over six thousand placements on television shows um loving hip-hop who killed sarah inventing anna um The Mask Singer, The Voice, um, you name it, man, I'm writing music for these shows. So if you watch television, you watch pretty much any television show, man, I, you know, I'm I'm one of the individuals creating music for those television shows. I am proud to say I've ascended to one of the top hip-hop writers in the country for music on television. Um, So um, that's one part of what I do, and I'm blessed to be able to do that. Um, But in addition to that, Uh, A lot of that music, when you're writing for television, you're not writing for yourself, you're writing for an audience, you're writing for a music director who wants, they want a song that sounds a specific way, right? They're like, yo, we want you to write a song just like this. I remember I recently did a song for a Sony PlayStation commercial, right? And they wanted the song to be very specifically a certain way. So I do that um, as my day job. Uh, And then by night, I create the music that I love. I create the music that I want the world to hear. Um, I am currently working on a project um, fittingly titled African American. That's the name of my upcoming album. Um, For anybody listening, this is the first time heard anywhere. The album is coming out May. 5th so on may 5th first time heard anywhere my new album african-american is dropping um i'm gonna be so excited about that and the track that is currently out right now from it is titled Majrita Majrita in zimbabwe means thank you and i love this track because the track fuses marimba um music also with hip-hop i believe we have to um, I always say my, my my new sound is titled African, I mean, it's called Ancestral Art. And I call it Ancestral Art because I believe the way forward is back. If we're gonna move forward, the way to do it is actually to go back into our roots and to create really interesting, different music. And so um, I am blending traditional sounds of mbita and marimba together with hip hop to create this unique fusion style ancestral art music. Um And so Masrita is bubbling. I'm excited to announce that Masrita right now has moved up the charts in Zimbabwe and is currently number 10 on the Star FM charts in Zimbabwe. So that song is bubbling. And um, I about a week and a half ago, I was number five. I mean, I was number uh, fifteen. So now I'm number ten. We're moving up the charts. And when we get to that number one spot, man, I might have to throw a party or something because uh, the song is really bubbling and being embraced by people all over the world.
0: I love that song. I love Mazvita. Um, and now uh, I even love it more because I know what it means. It means thank you. Is that in Shona language or in which the- Shona? It's uh, in
1: Shona language, yeah, it means thank you, yes.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the time to join us today, my brother Dre's, and to all our guests. You know, I see that a lot of people are joining us on YouTube uh, and on TikTok. I want you to leave your comments so that we can give you a shout-out towards the end of our conversation today. Uh, but we want to take a moment to break down the Madaraka Festival for you, uh, you know, Dre's. I remember you being on stage with Wura Runga. With, uh, we shared the stage with Mark Lemo and Ryan Lewis. Um, and also, before, the, before we even go back to the first Madaraka Festival in 2014 and how that moment felt, uh, I also want you to think about the Bellevue show you know, that we had in 2021. Uh, I want you to just take our listeners and our viewers on a journey of what you've seen uh, Madaraka festival be, be, become from the beginning. But also Madaraka festival is really similar to your story, Drez, because I think as a teenager, you toured with people like Janet Jackson, with Miles Davis, with Jimmy Buffet. And then as an artist, you've opened for Snoop Dogg, MarkLemo Wale. And I feel that The work that you've done is really what has also helped Madaraka Festival grow. And shout out to our brother, Owur Arunga, who has also contributed immensely to the growth of Madaraka Festival. But I want you to share with the audience members and our viewers your own story of Madaraka Festival and why it's important that they go, um, you know, there's a link in the description for this video. We want you to get your ticket today because we are making history. So uh, just go ahead, share your your Madaraka story, and then I'll share, you know, the date and any other details in just a moment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, Madaraka Festival is, is dope. It has a special place in my heart. As Simon said, I had the privilege of performing at the first Madaraka Festival on stage with my brother, Owa Arunga um and to be honest with you i feel like simon and or had a symphony on stage i was performing with so many dope musicians it was a fusion it was a fusion of african culture on stage it was it was it was the diaspora going home but it was home coming to the diaspora it was just an eclectic beautiful fusion of all different types of african art What I thought was crazy though, was the energy of the people um, in the crowd. The crowd is insane. People are having a great time. I was like, yo, the kickoff to this festival was epic. And to me, that first year set the stage for everything that has come and everything that is to come. Um, And as he said, I was privileged to be a part of that. It's been one of my favorite concerts I've ever done in my life, right? Being up on that stage, the energy that I've received from the crowd that they give back, um, it felt like being at home, a home away from home, if I can say that, right? I'm not in Zimbabwe, but here I am in the middle of Seattle at the Museum of Pop Culture with this sold-out audience, and they're treating me like home. Um, So they're embracing the music, the art, and the culture. But then fast forward to i'll say what is a couple of years ago i did the Madaraka festival we were out in Bellevue and i love that festival that one has each each festival every year has its own unique distinct differences that one was beautiful because it represented the resilience of Madaraka and i say that because the entire world was dealing with covid right we were all dealing with covid and trying to figure out how do we make something happen right in the midst of this and so the festival was outdoors it was beautiful it was like the comeback like okay COVID had all of us down on our knees for a while but we came out people just wanted some music they wanted some fresh music some live music and so that was one of my favorite ones in that it was it was the resilience and the comeback. And it it was like a walking African proverb in itself, right? It was the proverb saying like, yo, we're not gonna die. We're here, Madaraka now, Madaraka tomorrow, and Madaraka forever. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I felt like that was. Um, and then again, that just set the stage for everything that is coming. This tour right now is about to be insane. The lineup is epic. Um, you have some of the dopest African artists going to be sat to soul. I was like, yo, this is about to be crazy. Um, and, and I want people to know when I hit that stage, I'm giving y'all energy, man. We are bringing Southern African energy. You're going to hear some, I'm a piano. I'm going to be up there with the whole show. We're going to have the Marimbas, the Embita, the live band. If you've never had this type of a, Zimbabwean experience, I want people to come check out this festival, grab yourself some tickets. If you don't believe me, go check out my video, Margarita, and feel the energy. I, re- I just released a song with Sunny Makalima um, from Zimbabwe, which is a an I'm a piano song. Go listen to this music, feel the energy and know that's what you're going to get. But you're going to get it all live. We're not, we're not lip syncing. We're gonna be up on that stage giving y'all energy, you know? Um, So this is important. I do wanna say Mataraka is important because it is one of the festivals that typically opens its doors to African music globally. We have a problem in the industry. American music industry has a problem. You have to watch what it did with rock and roll, right? Many people think that rock and roll is white music. It's not, it was started by black people. American industry ruined, um, culturally appropriated rock and roll, blues music. Um, It's happening now with hip hop, right? You see it happen. All these music that was started by people of African descent often look like they're not anymore. And so in order to to stop that from happening, I want to make sure as the world turns its sights to African music. You're starting to see the same trends where they take one sound and then they just put it on TV and everything over and over and over until they run it into the ground. That's why the world thinks that African music is Afrobeat, right? And Afrobeat is a part of African music, but there are so many other sounds that are present in African music. And that's why I think festivals like Madaraka Festival are important because they shine a light, not just on Afrobeat or just on Amapiano, Piano, but all of the different sounds and the many sounds that you hear coming from Africa. And so come out to this festival, participate. Um, this is an African music festival, right? An African culture and heritage festival. And so I'm excited to be a part of it and hit the stage with Eddie Kinzo, King Kaka, sad to soul um, and so many others
0: thank you bro i just love this i love uh i could listen to you all day all day really um but i love some of the deeper meanings of why maraca festival is important that you've shared with us uh especially because uh you know when when you also look at the touring circuit you don't see african artists especially from east and south africa Touring the U.S. Uh, and so a lot of uh, a lot of gifted artists are not visible enough, and they're not actually uh, living up to their potential because of this barrier that has been created by visas, has been created by lack of uh, legitimate platforms for our artists, has been created by uh, you know our people here in the diaspora are becoming the majority, but you find that. When some of their biggest stars show up in the U.S., they're in a they're in a hidden bar somewhere in the corner performing, while they're filling up stadiums with hundreds of thousands of people back home. Uh, what do you have to say about this? Uh, this this I, I don't think that it respects art. It does not. In fact, it leaves a lot of artists completely like mentally. It it discourages people from. Um, from even doing the work that they're they're born to do?
1: Uh, you know what? I, I, as an artist, have a unique perspective on it, right? Um, and in context to what Simon was just saying, these artists um, in other countries, um, like in Zimbabwe, there are artists who can sell out whole stadiums with 50,000 and 100,000 people, but then they come to America and they can't fill up a room with 800 people, right? Um, no one knows who they are. I see that uh, some of that I view as um, as just an opportunity, right? I think that's an opportunity for growth, and I think we have to see that as an opportunity for growth. I think it's an opportunity for people to connect with new artists and to check them out. Now we have to figure out how to build that bridge, and that's what I think Madaraka is doing. It's building the bridge. So, So what that is saying is the industry has not caught wind of these artists yet. The industry in America hasn't quite gotten its hands on Satuso or hasn't gotten its hands on a job or a winky D in Zimbabwe, right? And that's in some regard that is beautiful, right? Because it means there's a fresh opportunity for us to create our own pathways, for us to create our own industry, for us to create our own bridges. That's what Madaraka is doing right you're creating the bridge between america and these other artists and saying yo this is this is huge right because our african brothers know who these artists are our african brothers i was talking to a one of the largest promoters in la the other day i was talking about the tour um and he's a promoter of african music and we were talking about shout out to my brother Timmy from amplify Africa, I was talking with him and, and and he was like yo Sata souls coming like whoa right so it's not that we don't know right it's that it takes time to build bridges it's a process um, and the process is happening and I think you're doing the work, so I see an opportunity to connect people, to artists like myself, like Dre's, who, who they may not know, but it also takes a visionary like yourself, Simon, who is not just... To me, what I think is beautiful about what you're creating with Madaraka is that you're, you're going, who needs to be here, right? When you start dealing with the industry, that's where you lose things. The industry is going to go, who's going to fill out the seats? Right, that's not looking at an opportunity. You're looking and saying, where do we need to go? What artists need to be on that stage? What artists do, does America need to know about? What music is actually, you're doing your job. You remember when DJs used to actually DJ? Remember when DJs used to actually find artists, right? Like now you go to a DJ, you like play my record. The DJ's looking at you like, yo, give me a thousand dollars. Like. Your job is to break artists, right? Like that's just, everyone has lost sight of who they are. It's called the music industry because it's supposed to be an ecosystem. And that ecosystem is supposed to mirror community in itself, right? But if everybody in the community has lost their identity, now everybody wants to be a social media celebrity. So you're no longer concerned with doing your job. There's no managers, nobody wants to manage, they wanna be the star. There's no publicist. Well, I don't want to be the publicist. I want to be this dog. Well, then the ecosystem falls apart. And then when it falls on its head, great artists doing great music from around Eastern Africa, Southern Africa, all of these different places get starved out. And so what you're finding is this vacuum where the industry has said the industry looks in America and it finds one type of music. And then it's just going to keep hitting you with that you know burner boy whiskey, kid boy whiskey, kid boy whiskey. kid it's like yo you do know we have hundreds of artists and that's no knock on them because i think burner boy davido whiskey they're dope i love what nigeria is doing it's ill they've laid the blueprint that many of us should be able to follow right but we have to make sure we as africans stay in control of our industry and not allow it to be overtaken and overrun um by like the same things that happened with our parents and our parents parents and now we have music again i say it again because it's important rock and roll is black music right and people look at it like it's not right they look at it and they say it's you too and aerosmith and it's like yeah nah that's not what <laughs> that's not where it started that's not it is black music um, almost every major music in america is black music right and around the world right because that's just how dope and um influential we have been and it's just the facts i'm not trying to claim everything if someone creates something everyone should be given credit for what they do regardless of what color race nationality they are however we got to give credit where it's due um and and black people who have been ingenious when it comes to music so
0: I love that. That's totally true. That's totally true. And uh, shout out to the TT behind me. <laughs> you know, those are those are some of the roots. You know, the roots of the African music that we are now seeing in guitars and and all these modern instruments. So I want to just quickly, uh, you know, I want to share with you when the Madaraka Festival is happening this year, and uh, I want to highly recommend for you if you if you are on. Uh, LinkedIn or Facebook or uh, Twitter uh, or YouTube take a second and go to the link the the description has the link to the tickets whether you want to join us at Avon Plaza on May 16th uh, whether you want to join us in Atlanta at Bucket Theatre on May 21st or uh, at the House of Blues on May 24th in Dallas or in Seattle Uh, on May 26th at Benaroya Hall, where we are doing the grand finale of the Madaraka Festival. You can get all the tickets through the link uh, at the description of this video, or you can go to madarakafestival.com and get the link today. Uh, My brother Dreze, you know Benaroya Hall very well. You've performed at many, many venues across the world, but many people don't know Benaroya Hall and the significance of us doing the Madaraka festival there can you just touch on that and then um, after that I want us to I'll give a quick shout out to some of the people who have joined us but also think of your parting shot the last few things you want to say so speak about Benaroya Hall for a moment
1: Um, as Simon said I've been on stages around the world I've been throughout Europe and toured been to Korea Japan Guam uh, Denmark, Paris, uh, I've been to Hungary and Bosnia to perform right in the middle of the war, right? So, um, I've been blessed to touch a lot of stages. Benaroya Hall is one of those amazing stages, one of the most beautiful and amazing stages in Seattle in the Northwest. Um, the Seattle Symphony performs at Benaroya Hall. When you start talking about the creme de la creme, this is what we're talking about. This is where um, you put your good clothes on, you look beautiful, you go in there and you hit the stage. But it also has an energy and a legacy of energy and music and vibrant music coming into this space. So we are not uh, we are not going to be on some ragtag stage. No, we are on the one of the, the premier stages in the Northwest for performance and music and art. And it's fitting because what this is, is it's classic, beautiful African art on display. And I'm excited about that because the hall and the venue attracts a different audience. It attracts, it lets everyone know you're welcome here. And I think that you were genius for selecting this space because the message that it's saying to Seattle and to the world is that African music is should be treated like um fine wine should be treated like a fine art um but it's something to be experienced in a lot of different ways and there's i can think of no better venue for it than that when you told me i was like where are you going this year he's like been a royal hall i was like yo that is super dope right um and you're showing them the many ways that the Mataraka festival works
0: so thank you bro thank you the, the, you know everything you say is also uplifting and uh very 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 important for me so i deeply appreciate you uh think about your parting shots while i give a few shout outs here cubs destiny i see you thank you for joining us from uh, the midwest stella i see you thank you for joining us from kisumu kenya uh, brother art thank you for joining us from north carolina uh, and then lavender thank you for joining us also from seattle if you are watching this after the live stream, make sure you leave your comment down below with your own interpretation of today's proverb from Ghana. It says, "A clear head is just a stroll outside away." My special guest is the award-winning Dreze, A.K.A. Dumisani Maraire Junior, who is one of the headlining artists for Madaraka Festival this year and also an entrepreneur. Dres, you know we didn't speak about uh, all the work that you do to support black business uh you know you've partnered with the, the daughter of the legendary muhammad ali uh, to put money in, in in people's pockets you know speak about this for a moment uh before you talk about your parting shots and we close the show
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's all good man yeah um uh... I am, so I, during the pandemic or a little before the pandemic, I wrote a track called Building Black Wealth. And the song was really just an homage to all the black businesses that I support. I've been on a goal to get my home to 50% black owned. And so the idea is I want everything. I want soap to be black owned. I want, you know, why not, right? Let's support my own. I'm giving the money to somebody. Why not give it to somebody who I know has a vested interest in reinvesting in my community and so um i started doing that and then i wrote a song about it and in the song i shot out over 22 black owned businesses that i frequent or use in one way or another so if y'all get a chance go check that out it also features me playing mbita on the track so just go to youtube or anywhere and and google building black wealth the song but um so when this when the pandemic hit, you know, I couldn't do much. So I just started going live with different black owned businesses, right? I would, I would just, you know, hit somebody and be like, yo, you want to go live? We stuck in the house, right? Let's talk about this. And so um, I started doing that. And then that ended up launching Juneteenth, it came upon us, and I ended up launching what was the big the Building Black Wealth Black Marketplace. I partnered with Layla Ali, um, Angela Rye. The political analysts also participated and then I just started going live for years with different black owned businesses. I've had businesses from around the world, from Zimbabwe, from Nigeria, from Europe. Um, and I'm proud to say that we have raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for these businesses. They sell out of their products whenever we go live. And so that just became like a fun passion of mine i don't take any money my company doesn't take we don't take a 10 percent of everything sold no we just it was just like a gift from us to them to be able to say yo i think what you're doing is dope and the world needs to know about you so um those episodes are up on my um my youtube page you can go check out a bunch of those go to the dre's experience um that is my social media handle everywhere Um, but I want to make a shameless plug since we're talking black business. If you see this shirt I got on right here, uh, nourish. Yeah. This is my daughter, Nyasha Maraide. This is her brand. And so um, she is an esthetician, so she does facials and body waxing and all of those types of things. She's also a brilliant artist, um, a singer, a rapper, and a um an actress. So she's beautiful, amazing look up Nourish, go follow them online. You know what I mean? You see this brand, this is her, but you know, I got to represent my squad. So um, that's what I'm representing today. I'm representing Nourish, you know, and I got my first facial from her as well. So that was, she gives, she put this like mud all over my face. Oh man, brother, I thought I was going to drown. But uh, she did an amazing job. She's gifted. She has a an incredibly gentle beautiful touch she she has gifted hands that are made and she cares about keeping people beautiful she cares about your face wellness and your skin wellness and your you know what i mean and so um when we saw that we encouraged her to go you know to follow her passion and her dream and she's done it she's got her own spot on Melrose right here in LA and so if you're in LA and you want to get a facial pull up on nourish you know
0: Bro, that's that's incredible. There's one question I was actually about to ask you. I know that that's your parting shot and you've shared your socials. But fatherhood, you know, this podcast is called African Father in America. Both of us are fathers, are uh, girl dads. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, your girl is now a business owner. <laughs> Talk to our viewers. You know, our audience members are Africans in the diaspora. But one of our biggest struggles as African people here in the diaspora is is that a lot of our young people are in jail, you know. Uh, similar to our black American brothers and sisters, a lot of our young people are in jail. Uh, you know, what advice do you have to young black fathers here in America, young African fathers here in America who are, who are trying to make it like yourself?
1: Um, in all honesty, I, I am passionate about being a father. It is probably the thing I am most proud of the thing I am most dedicated to is my daughter. Um, There is nothing that is going to be more rewarding in your life than being a father um, or a parent, right? And there's nothing that is going to develop you more than being a father or a parent. Um, I'm passionate about it. I love my daughter. I had my daughter when I was young, Um, but I remember when I was younger, I, I took a trip to New York and I wanted to go move because I wanted to trace my chase my passions. But my daughter was very young. She was about four or five. And I quickly understood on that trip. It didn't take me very long to realize, yeah, she needs me more than I need this dream to happen. And so I put my dreams on hold. I, I, I packed my stuff up, went right back to, to Seattle, and I stuck it out all the way until she was old enough to move with me to LA, right? And so um, I just want to challenge brothers to break the cycle, um, break the generational curse. Say the butt stops with me. At some point, somebody has to be the one. And why not you? Why not me to say, I'm gonna break this cycle. Many of us have dealt with a father or a parent who was absent or just not there. And why instill the same amount of trauma on the next generation that you had on you? um to us as a community at large we have to understand the games that are played with us and the implications and the impact and the ramifications holistically are massive um just taking the dad out of the home r- breaks down the entire community and i don't have time to unpack that but but it's right in front of us it's all around us so i implore people um Stick it out. Be in the home. Be present. Um, You got a baby's mama, baby's daddy who's giving you drama. It don't matter. Still do it. I'm not just talking about this. I'm living this. My wife and I, um, my sister owns a, she runs a site called the Black Marriage Movement. Um, They are the Black Marriage Movement on all socials. And every Tuesday night, my wife and I go on there and we host a conversation titled Millennial Parenting. Why? Because we're trying to help parents get the tools they need to deal with everything you have to deal with in this generation because it comes at you fast and you're dealing with a lot. So um, let me say this, my parting shot to make sure I do it, please go check out my music at The Dre's Experience across all platforms on Instagram it's The Dre's Experience, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Um, Check out my new single, Majrita. Again, Majrita is number 10 right now on the Star of Film Charts in Zimbabwe. Check it out. The song is crazy. And I will be performing it live at the Madaraka Festival all throughout the U.S. Y'all don't want to hit, you don't want to miss this, man. I promise you it's going to be an epic show.
0: Thank you, my brother. Thank you. And take good care of yourself. Uh, I'll be hitting you up shortly. Uh, Just to follow up, you know, take great care of yourself and to all our audience members who joined us, uh, whether you're on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, or here on YouTube, or even on TikTok. I just want you to know that you're deeply appreciated and we will see you tomorrow around the same time, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Take care of yourselves as well. Peace and love, my brother. Peace and
1: love. African
0: Father in America. Do you jikaze to the cousin? Do you cousin to the cousin? Do you cousin to the cousin? you You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javano Kello live from Seattle.